Welcome to season four of Exploring the Prophetic. We are on a journey of spiritual curiosity to see how God's voice can impact us and the world around us. I interview guests from every walk of life and background about how their relationship with God and hearing His voice has given them different opportunities and breakthrough experiences. This season, I'm also asking every guest how they got through a time when they thought they had heard from God or they received a prophetic word from someone else that didn't happen and how God helped them to resolve that. Come join our conversation on Exploring the Prophetic starting now. Oh, we're exploring the prophetic. And one of the things I like to explore is when God has radically changed someone's life and then they begin to change the world around them. And through God speaking to my guest today, Pamela Winderweedle Hillman, she was a radical, radical lost person, just like we all were. But some of her story is going to be pretty amazing and also sensational. So I want to tell you, she came out of a life of prostitution and drugs. So if you have children who are going to listen to this, She's going to be talking about some adult themes in a very PG-13 way, but I just want to encourage you that this is maybe a little bit further than we've gone in some of the interviews in the past, but I just felt like she needed to share for real her past story of how she started a life of prostitution and how she became a, a madam and a drug dealer and all these things where she ended up in and out of the prison system and then in prison for a while. And uh, I know her story because she is married to my friend Oz Hillman, who you can hear on Exploring the Marketplace, his story of how God's using her in the marketplace in such a phenomenal way. But Pamela used this life of just extreme brokenness, man, for the victory of Jesus. And I love how she heard from God about starting Life Changers Legacy, which is basically creating I mean, content for prisons all over the world through I See Me Free program. And it empowers people, it trains them, it equips those who are incarcerated to become returning citizens and really restore and reconcile, reconcile them to their families. And they start to live a new lifestyle and citizenship to Jesus Christ. She is doing amazing works and raising up people all over the world to see our prisoners in the light of Jesus. You know, we have to see people the way God sees them if we're going to see change in them. And man, Pamela has chosen with Jesus to see the change that not many of us are willing to see. And I love her story. So you're going to love it too. Again, Pamela is a character. And I want you to stay tuned to just get your hair blown back by a great God story, one-of-a-kind God story that I believe is being replicated now because of Pamela's work in prisons across the world. God has wired you for hearing His voice, and this isn't rocket science. Through my best-selling book, Translating God, I introduce a love-based approach to the revelation gifts like prophecy and words of knowledge, then bring you on a full-circle journey biblically on how to practice these gifts right now in your life. Be your own best personal prophet, and then have the authority from that place to speak to the world around you. We have an anniversary bundle available for you right now that you can get at our website at www.bullsministries.com. In this anniversary bundle, you're going to get Translating God the Book, Translating God the Workbook, and also our brand new e-course that you're going to love. We just made it really practical. It's going to take you on the whole journey of how to translate God for you and the world around you. Well, today on Exploring the Prophetic, it's my privilege to introduce our crowd, our little audience, to Pamela Hillman. And Pamela, I'm so excited to have you on today. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. I am so honored. Yes, thank you. I mean, I, I know, have known your husband for a long time, and then yes. I just got to see your 700 Club interview. I mean, C-Man is like part of my family and my heart. So just watching the interview. Oh, gosh. I mean, you've, you've 
you've walked through a lot, you've been through a lot, but you've used it to open the door of freedom. Yes. So you can. It's so awesome. I'm Praise so God. happy. Yeah. Okay. You started Life Changers Legacy to bring, you know, training and empowering and those who are incarcerated to really bring them into wholeness. And you yes. did this out of a place because of your own need. And I'm sure there was a lack of materials to some degree when you went through your own journey and story, but you're creating materials in a big gap that's been there for people in incarceration. And it's amazing and phenomenal. So again, I just want to thank you for that. This is beautiful. Thank you. Yes, it's all for his glory. For sure. Let's go into your story because uh, for those listening, Pamela, some of the stories, she tells it so uh, well, but at the same time, there might be some themes. I know sometimes we have kids and and high schoolers, junior hires are listening to this. So there is some adult themes in how she'll share today. I just want to pre-warn that. But at the same time, she's one of the most pure people. So the way she Praise shares God. it will be very healthy. But uh, Pamela, let's go into your story and just kind of talk to me about where it started. Well, it started with a seed, actually. And uh, my grandmother, she was a praying grandmother, and she played piano in the church for 65 years and had a farm in Alabama, 100 acres. And so we always went there. I mean, it was like we lived in Atlanta. My mother was a Playboy bunny. My dad was in the military. And uh, so we we were there like half the time. And I had horses and just the whole farm scene. And uh, I remember five years old. Now, my grandmother was constantly instilling Jesus in my sister and I. And I remember this one particular day when she's cooking for the pastors after church. And this one jolly old big guy comes over and he puts his hand on me. And he says, this one here is special. She's going to do great things for God one day. I just got chills through my body. Um, and, you know, as a five-year-old, you 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 don't know what that is, <laughs> you know? So uh, is it an impartation? Is it a prophetic word? Uh, you you just, you know, this is a just uh, a man putting his hand on a child. So, but the enemy heard that impartation as well. And it was shortly after that, that my alcoholic dad, started making advances. Well, he actually, it started with a puppy. Um, You know, I trust my dad. I've gone up and taken a nap with him many times. So uh, I'm out back playing in the snow and my sister and my mom are gone. And there's this puppy out in the yard and a little shaggy guy. And he's cold. I, I have a heart for dogs, right? So I bring him and I tie him up to the little fence behind our apartment. And uh, my dad is at the door and he says, what are you doing? I said, please, please, can I have the puppy? And he said, come upstairs with me and you can have it. Wow. I don't think anything about it because as I said, I've, I've laid down with my dad before. So, but this time was different. So we go upstairs and I tell you, for the longest, longest time, I could tell you the smell in the room. I could tell you the perfume bottles on the dresser. I could tell you the flower bedspread, anything in that room and the position of the entire room. Because that day, it imparted a trauma in my soul and carried with me for many years. Wow. Well, most of my life. (laughs) So... Mm. 
but but it was a seed that was planted that I could get what I wanted by going upstairs. A subliminal message from the enemy. You know, he has his counterfeits and yeah. he's always trying to do something, you know, as God's doing, because he wants to be so much like God, wants to be God. <laughs> so um, so his counterfeit was also a seed. Wow. And it was on the other side, the negative side. So, but, um, so my mom, when she found out, she did throw him out and did, um, you know, take measures to, to keep us safe. And, and she always did that. Wow. And, um, I have to say something about the, um, well, I'll, I'll get to that later, but so, uh, we're going to fast forward a little bit, Yeah. A lot, to be honest. Right. <laughs> um, but, there were other men that came into our life. One was an uncle, one was a godfather that tried things, did things as well. And um, so what a life of trauma. That's so it was, it was. So by the age of nine years old, I discovered pot. Pot took me somewhere outside of that bedroom. I wasn't trapped upstairs anymore. So I thought, wow. But I was trapped in the addiction then. So I was still trapped upstairs. Wow. <laughs> right? So um, I did start other drugs at 11 years old and uh, actually started driving and working at 12. Oh, and my gosh. I, I grew up very fast, very mature. Just, you know, I, I feel like... Oh, I, I had a stepdad that got into the picture at about nine years old. He's the one who actually uh, had the pot and my sister found it. And um, I kind of followed under my sister and she hung out with older kids. But anyway, so then my mom found out she was really traumatized by it. She, she cried. She didn't want anything to do with it. Then he said, just try it once. And she loved it. So it was a household affair. Wow. And, but it was like, don't go out on the streets and get anything. If you want anything, come to me and I'll get it for you, is what he said. Okay. So that was, you know, we went camping and did fun things all the time uh, with drugs. He always provided all these drugs. So, but but we had to do good in school. <laughs> it was so just weird. It was just looking back. I mean, I just thought he was the coolest parents in the world, right? But it was it was so bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's easy to recognize, but when you're a kid, you don't know. You don't right. know. Right. Everybody, yep. Wow. So. so you go from that place, and that's kind of the, the foundation of how you were raised, working when you were 12 years old, and you end up seeing that you can get what you want, like you said, um, if you go upstairs. So what did that turn into? Well, it turned into the godfather was like the primary a key person in my life and he was really filtrated in the mafia and lots of uh influence with judges and just big people golfers i mean pro golfers and uh so this this was the environment that i was in at a very early age once my mom and stepdad divorced at uh 11 almost 12 then that's when he came back in and started uh, just flourishing me with uh, money, furs, trips, all sorts of things. And my mom, she didn't see anything wrong with it. I don't know how, but, you know, <laughs> we won't go there. Yeah. But, um, anyway, she trusted him. And 
he was, you know, giving her money and, and providing as well. So she was just trying to provide for us and the best way she knew how, I guess. But she is a devout Christian now. And oh, she, that's awesome. uh, yes, she is a power back. Loves her Jesus. Oh, it's so good to know. Like, I love how God can even redeem that in our family. Yeah. You just went yes. out into this life of just with us, Godfather. Of, I mean, it ended up in becoming uh, a life of prostitution. And then you began to mm-hmm. become a madam as well. I and did. had some run-ins with the law. What happened there? Well, that was a lot later. Um, I actually got to a point that, um, let's see, I think I was, maybe uh 20 i didn't get in any trouble until i was about 26 uh no no 29 actually it was 29 and i turned in my godfather to get a lighter sentence actually they dismissed it and and i was really scared of him because of you know his people (laughs) but uh i denied the whole thing and that when he found out but um that was my separation point and my my start to freedom, to be honest, because I was so locked in. My soul was tied to this man so, so deep that I didn't know it till later when I started, um, the Lord started freeing me and teaching me soul ties, out of soul ties and generation curses, all that. And, uh, but so I, I actually um, have to say this as well, because it's, I don't, I don't, tell it unless Holy Spirit leads me to. But I was an IV user for 15 years. And it was it was off and on. But then when I yeah, was in my uh, 20s, that was when I, I got really bad. And at 26, I tried to commit suicide. And but I prayed because I knew the Lord, <laughs> you know, even through this time. But let me tell you this. So all these destructive behaviors led to destruction and all these people, bikers. I mean, I lived with a biker and uh, this gun went off. He, he shot through the wall and people really thought that he was shooting at me. But I don't know. He says it was an accident, but it made a complete circle around me. I was sitting in a chair on the other side of the wall. And uh, it, it, I felt the vibration. I really thought I was hit. And there were holes in the chair between my legs even and wow. in the arms of the chair and the picture above my head shattered. And th- we were having a party that night. And of course, you know, all the drugs around, but everybody thought he did it on purpose. They came running over and said, oh my gosh, you hit. I stood up and... um you know, everybody's touching me and, and we're feeling on my body and not one bullet hit me. Oh, and I started crying and I said, oh my God, I said, my grandmother's praying for me. I know it. There had to be an angel in front of me. So I, I just picked up my purse, said, I'll be back for my things. I'm out of here. <laughs> oh my gosh, it was like a wake up call. That was a major wake up call. But of course, you know, I'm addicted to drugs. So it, it just, you know, it's a different face, the same man that I run into. So it was, it, that was my lifestyle. But let me tell you this, so many times, so many destructive environments that I got in, I would hear the Holy Spirit. I would hear the unction of, of Jesus saying, you don't belong here. Oh, man. You're special. You're going to do great things for me. And get out. I would hear it. And this is what would happen 
countless times. One time the house caught on fire. Another time, well, there was a few times actually that the house got busted. And people started thinking I was a narc because I was leaving right before this happened. Oh my gosh. And so just a lot of that story. So it'll be in my book. I can't wait uh, to read it. I think it's it's just interesting because so many of us are believing for, including I know yourself, for just people to, you know, who've when you see people in jail or you see people in red light districts or on the streets. You know that that's the counterfeit of their destiny. They have a destiny. They have a purpose. Amen. They have God who loves them. And so I love hearing, you know, this part of the story is harder, obviously, to hear. But I love hearing your story because it shows somebody who God was pursuing you even in the darkest places. He didn't give up on you. He wasn't Amen. like, you get right yeah. first and then I'll come. The whole time he's like, Pamela, this is who you are. And I love reminding that he, me yeah. from the time you were young, you know. Yes. He, he kept you with his identity even through all this. But what happens? So you're 26 years old. You jump into another situation. Well, so I try to commit suicide. I try to commit suicide. That was pretty much the turning point. And and I, you know, I I had the needle there. I loaded up enough that it it would have totally killed anybody, um, and even a big person. And and it wouldn't work. And it wouldn't work. And I would try again and again. And I just started crying. And I said because I prayed before I did this. I, I get so emotional when I talk about this. And I said, okay, Lord, then, then what is my purpose? And what, what am I going to do? So I actually went into treatment for a month and they talk about, you know, higher power first. They, you know, a doorknob is a higher power. I said, my higher power is Jesus. And I kept saying that. They said, you can't say that here. I said, then I don't belong here. Wow. <laughs> you know, but anyway, so that was my um, first real time of getting me off the throne, to be honest. Mm. And um, and that's what I was talking about, this poem that, that I told you about. It really relates to my entire story. And God downloaded that poem, so I'll tell you about that later. But um, so after that, I went to a Trace Diaz retreat. I don't know if you've heard of Trace Diaz, but I've it's a phenomenal it. retreat. It's here in Georgia. And, um, and I just had this major encounter with Jesus. And then uh, this mural on the wall. It, it's actually um, another part after I came back from the retreat. I was um, going to church five times a week at different churches, prophetic churches, yeah. um, uh, just... Um, a messianic Jewish temple. I, I I studied. I was actually in Judaism for a while when I was married to a Jewish man. Anyway, it's a, it's just my whole story is just God preparing me. <laughs> I love how you just throw out whole life story details that are like just huge. Yeah. So God begins to prepare you, and you're and you're walking through this spiritual journey, trying to really know Him. What, where do you think was like the, we, we heard the turning point story, but where do you think was the story where you really started to know this is who yes. you, mm -hmm. you walk through, again, some incarceration, which gave you compassion and empathy for other people. Who are yeah. Is that part well, of it? Yeah, the drugs. Yeah. So um, it, this, this point of this mural on the wall, Jesus actually came alive on this wall, I, I took the focus off of myself because I met these three women, these two women and a guy at this, um, one of the churches and they were, they invited me to a, uh, a prayer meeting at their home and they're praying in tongues. 
Mm. And and I'm like, what language is that? <laughs> and they they laughed and they said, it's not a language. It's it's Holy Spirit's language and it's a prayer language. That's what they said. And I said, well, what is that? And who is Holy Spirit? <laughs> and uh, so they just broke broke it all down for me. And I said, well, I guess I want that. <laughs> and I prayed for three days. We all prayed for three days and I didn't receive this. So I took the focus off myself and I went downtown and I fed the homeless. You have to be in this prayer meeting for 10, uh, excuse me, 20 minutes. And this mural on the wall came alive. Jesus is on it, walking through a field of daisies. And he I'm telling you, is alive on it. The lady next to me is praying in, in tongues and I heard copy her. <laughs> so I just started, you know, my own prayer language and I looked up and, and he was there and he, it was almost like he was just welcoming me with his hands out. And it was so beautiful. That was my turning point, Sean. Wow. That was my true turning point to be baptized in the Holy spirit. And, and it, he empowered me, but he also, uh, let me tell you, this is actually when the battle started raging even greater because now he's in me and he's working on me <laughs> and in me. So I go to jail, I go to prison actually much later, but I had been to jail, been to jail, been to jail. This is after I'm filled with the Holy Spirit now, after. So think about that. After I'm in church, five, five times, five different churches a week. This is why. My soul was still infected with the traumas. My, my spirit man was filled with Jesus and Holy Spirit, but my soul still had all the garbage. It was like a toilet paper roll. This is what the Lord showed me. Toilet paper roll, the center represents Holy Spirit. He comes in. The toilet paper is our soul. We still have shame, the guilt, the unworthiness, the the prostitution, the drugs is in our soul. So we have to release that. And, uh, and it is a process. We have to tear it off sheet by sheet. And it is an act of our own will to do so and to give Holy Spirit permission to work through us. So our spirit, spirit man and our soul become one. That's what Paul is talking about. And wow. so, so then um, I found that I, it, it had to do with a relationship that would cause me to go back to the drug. Anytime that I would sleep with a guy, I would go back and use drugs because I couldn't deal with the pain. I knew it was wrong. So that condemnation and the enemy just telling me how unworthy I was. So the Lord took me to jail, allowed me to go to jail. I took myself there. He allowed me to go for my sanctification process. 25 years of going in and out of jail, eight times, and violation of probations, all the time. <laughs> and each time was a beautiful time of presence with him. It wow. was so amazing. And I got to sing with angels. I got to see them ascending from heaven in thousands, thousands of ranks and hundreds of thousands. Probably I have actually seen an angel. He's, he's visited me in my room. I've, uh, I've just had so many encounters women, girls, they would come into the jails with pentagrams tattooed on their stomach, um, would get delivered. I mean, you would see these demons coming out of them. Then they would be baptized in the spirit. It was amazing. God was using me in the jails. I think it's phenomenal that, um, you know, he used the jail as a mentoring time for you and to mentor you in things of the spirit. 
and that you pressed into that, that you were like, okay, this is it. Because then I, I, you know, I've done prison ministry in the past, not like you have, but I've done prison ministry. And there's kind of like two mentalities. There's one mentality of like, if God visits me, I'll do something for him here. There's another right. mentality that's like, I'm going to use my time here to know him. I don't care if he does something. That's right. I'm alive. He's given me a life. And Amen. I feel like the people who are in prison who are like, I'm just here for God. Like at this point, I'm I'm here. I'm going to let him use this as like the garden. This is going to be. Right. And in that victim mentality that causes you to say, you know, like, oh, I can't believe I'm here. And if God wants to get me here, he can. That victim mentality stops people from really receiving because they're waiting for one more person to do something for them versus I'm now here for God. Like I'm now, That's right. I'm giving up my own life. And I just think there's that subtle difference. And here you're, I mean, to say that you're having angelic visitations, seeing visions while you're in yeah, jail. I was. Talk about like, amazing. How good is God? Okay, so, so go amazing. Go to pause and say that because it's so beautiful. Yes, I had I had so many dreams and visions that uh, well, it's in my book too. But I mean, it, God has given me a hawk for the last thirty years. Every day, no matter where I'm at, no matter what state I'm in, no matter where, I there's a hawk that flies over me. So I, when Austin and I first got together, I told him this, and he's like, "Okay, <laughs> you know," and and sure enough, every day. We're together. And and there's a hawk flies over the car. We come out of a restaurant. It's right next to my car. It's on a pole. It's I mean, it's just amazing. And then and then so we had uh kind of we had a little rough uh, time uh at one point of the relationship and we were questioning, really, has God brought this? And uh so I said, I, I need to back up in you know a few days and uh just go to my home and let's pray. Let's just because there were just some things anyway. Um, so he takes a walk around the lake, uh, near the house, Lake Lanier. And he says, Lord, you've got to show me if, if this is of you. Well, a hawk flies over his shoulder within seconds of him saying that wow. and lands on a limb right in front of him while he walks up to it and takes a close up picture of this hawk. It's actually in my workbooks too. But uh, so God's given me a lot of things, but he gave me a lot of dreams with hawks and eagles in it. That's in my book too. I won't, I won't stay on there, but a lot of them were prophetic messages for when I was getting out and he gave me several of those. I, I just want to tell you one real quick. Oh. It doesn't have to do with a hawk, but um, so I, I did 18 months in prison. I've got to tell you the story of how I got there first, but I'll, I want to go back to this one particular dream, but I want, I want to go over here real quick. If I may just back up a minute. Sure. Um, so I was praying and praying. I had a big house. I had a Hummer and two other vehicles in the driveway. And I, I just, I was miserable. I had lots of money, lots of artwork, just, you know, a lot of stuff that meant nothing. <laughs> My soul was dead. My, I just, I wanted to die. So I was praying and I was saying, God, you got to get me out of this. I don't know how to get out of this. You know, and I read the word every day. I'm using drugs. I'm drinking. I got a drink and, a, and drugs right next to me. I've got the Bible in my lap. When, whenever I only let certain people to my home, but when they would come in, they would say, how can you be watching TBN or Sid Roth or you know, whoever was on the TV, the preacher on the TV, how can you be watching that? How can you have your Bible out and be, you know, doing this, watching them when you're drinking and, and smoking crack or whatever oh drug it was? And, and I said, because 
If I'm not watching that, if I'm not listening to that while I'm using, I'm never going to be listening to that because I'm always using. And that is the only thing that's going to get me out of this. Wow. <laughs> that is the only wow. thing that's going to get me free. So I was praying and I, and I told him, I said, I'm not going to be here long. Something is going to happen. I felt it in my spirit. I'd been praying and I know my, my father is faithful. So I said, I'm not going to be here long. Something's about to happen. They said, oh, no, I don't know. But whatever it is, I'm, I'm, I'm welcoming it. <laughs> I said, I don't care if you send me to prison, put me in an institution, whatever you got to do, God, get me out of this. So um, I had a driver. The driver's taking me to pick up some drugs. And uh, I felt it. I knew something in the atmosphere in this area had shifted. Something wasn't right. I told my driver, something's going on here. I don't get a good feeling. I don't know about it. He says, oh, you're just paranoid. I said, no, no, I'm not telling you. So I, I said, I'm running in really fast. I'm running out. <laughs> like that mattered, right? So I ran in. We got in the car. We got about, gosh, maybe seven to 10 miles up the road. I knew people were following us unmarked cars. I saw it wow. in the side view. I saw it. I said, look, watch that car over there. Watch that. And sure enough, I mean, he kept saying, you're just paranoid. And I, I said, just shut up. I don't want to, it's not. So next thing, there is a, a bubble, you know, blue light that comes up on that marked car, next marked car, next marked car. Sure enough, they surround us. And um, a, a marked car has, has to come, of course, for us to pull over. So they do. And um, they search me and they don't find anything because, you know, I'm just, I hit it in my bra. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> so I get in the back of the car. Somehow, I don't know how, but I got it out of my bra. I put it down in the back of a seat. All of this is pertinent for the story. Just listen. I believe it. Keep going. Yeah. So. We get to the station. I knew it would be a violation of probation. I wouldn't have any new charges because, you know, I, I don't have anything on me. I go to the bathroom. Holy Spirit speaks to me so loud. He says, I thought you wanted out of this. I said, I do. He says, tell him about the drugs in the back of the car. I said, I'll get another charge. I didn't hear anything else, Sean. Nothing. Wow. The decision is now mine. Do I do I tell them about this drug and get 20 years in prison because that's what I would have gotten? Or do I just take three months of violation of probation? So I went out and I was so convicted. I, I was crying. I said, I have to tell you this. I want this to be over. I want it to be over. I said, I put drugs in the back of your car. He went, he said, you stupid, duh, 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 duh. and I ran, he ran out and he got the drugs out. He comes in, he says, do you know what? You're going to get an extra charge. I said, I already knew that. And sure enough, we go to court. They want to give me 20 years. Wow. And uh, because I had violation of probation and my charge has always been, anytime I got locked up, it was possession of cocaine possession of crack it was that was always it never got a DUI which was that was the grace of God but so I got a good attorney he got me five years to do three on a do you do a third in a, in Georgia so that was 18 months well it was whenever it came up and it didn't matter to me because when I got to prison I was kicking and screaming at first 
And when I was in jail and I was like, get me rehab, get me rehab. And then when I got to prison, I surrendered after getting pushed in the wall by the guards and sergeants and spit on and all that. And you're just like, oh God, you know, why me? Why am I here? And, you know, the poor victim mentality. And, uh, and then Holy Spirit speaks to me. Um, I, I, I knew this was, this was a mission. This was something different. I felt it. And I, and Holy Spirit said, I brought you here to train and equip you for what I have prepared for you. So I started getting all these psychology books, self-help books, recovery books sent in. And I was taking all these notes. Holy Spirit speaks to me in my room. And he says, while I'm taking the notes, he says, the only thing that will change your own mindset is the word of God. Memorize the scripture a day. I said, I'm on it. So I started doing that. I've got a journal that I started in the beginning. Every, every scripture that I memorized, I would go back and reread it this, this next day. So it took me an hour and 40 minutes every day to read the entire journal book. It's phenomenal. So the women started saying, what are you doing? You're so happy. You're happy in prison. How can you be happy? <laughs> and I said, because I'm not in prison anymore. I was in prison out there and I would tap my head and I would say, I'm not in prison. And I'm free. I'm freer here than I was out there. I said, and there are more people that are in prison out there than there are in here. So they're like, what do you do? What do we do? And I, and they said, how do you pray? The Lord had already showed me to pray scripture because the word doesn't return to us void. So I started doing that. And the women said, teach us to pray. I said, let me go to my room. I pray in the spirit. Every time I pray in the spirit for 40 minutes, something comes. He gives me something. So I prayed and he gave me a prayer sheet. This prayer sheet is so anointed. It came down from heaven and it's actually on my website under resources. Might be under prayer sheets. Uh, we've adjusted our website a little bit, but it's on there. You can find it. <laughs> and there's a faith sheet, I am sheet. And there's also all sorts of, uh, we have four phase workbooks. So, so let me, let me go back to the women in prison. So, so they are telling me, um, you know, when, when it was time to leave that nobody ever writes them back. They say they will, they say they're going to be there for them. So, but while I was in, I was sending these prayer sheets to different dorms. People were asking for them. I got them printed on butterfly paper from a friend of mine on the outside. She sent in hundreds and then wow. they would get transferred to other prisons and they would write me to request them. So I would send them to other prisons. Then those people would send them to their families in Texas and all over. And so the prayer sheets just got all all over the United States <laughs> while I was in prison. So I started the mission statement on 10, 10, 10 while I was in prison. I actually wow. got out wow. on, um, 11, 18 of 2011. So this was the thing. My birthday is December 18th, two days. So this is a great birthday present, Sean. Nice. Thank so you glad. so much. Yes. And uh, so I did 18 months in prison and I got out November 18th. So I said, Lord, what does 18 mean for me? It's significant. What is it? I looked it up. It means new life. Wow. New life. So I have been given new life. And so what I did, um, well, let me go back to this dream I had. I didn't know when I was getting out and I was having all these dreams. This one particular dream was I was in a processing room 
There were women in khaki. That was the color of the prison uniforms and women in white. And I just happened to have white on, praise God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So um, I'm I'm going out of this processing room and there's a rail, there's a a ramp. Uh, There are women along the ramp and leaning against the rail. And they say, they're they're talking amongst themselves about women who are choking their babies with bra straps. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so horrible. How could they do that? So I go down the ramp over to the next area, and there is a very long picnic table with men with no shirts on, every size, every shape, every color. They're steady eating. Not one of them looks up. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what are men doing in a women's prison? I said, but I'm going to go get a tray and come eat with them. So I go down into this other room, three steps. I remember I took three steps down. There's this beautiful, gracious uh, African-American woman with white hair standing there, just looking like an angel. And I go and I get a tray. I hear these other women talking about other women that have choked their babies with bra straps. And I turn around and I said, oh, my gosh, that's so horrible. Who could do that? And so I get my tray. This is all within a matter of seconds, not even a minute had passed. And this is very significant. So I walk up the three steps. Every man at the picnic table was gone. There's no way they could have moved out of there that fast and not be seen. So I turn around and I look at this woman who's following me, this angel. And I say, what's going on? Men are in a women's prison with no shirts on. Women are choking their babies with bra straps. I said, what is going on? She says, so calm. She said, the men were put here as a distraction for you. The women choking their babies with bra straps represents their dreams. They've choked their dreams and you've been brought here to rebirth them. I've got chills through my whole body right now. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Okay, Pamela, we have about four minutes left. Oh, I want to oh, I'm really so sorry. get to I want to get to I love everything you've shared. So I want to get to then you started this organization. So we'll just transition mm-hmm. into that and um starting an organization and then um what you're doing now, just so people can get a vision. Okay, for yeah, yeah. So we have a, so when I got out. Um, you know, I was mentoring these women. I was doing the one, I was writing all of them and emailing and doing all this. I was like, Oh Lord. And it grew and it grew and it grew. And I said, I need help. I said, why don't I just, I knew I was going to create a workbook. I didn't know I was going to create four, but I did. The Lord did. I'm telling you, it's infused with Holy spirit all the way. And so I, I started recruiting other people to be mentors. Now we have 480. Wow. Uh, we do have a waiting list of almost 200 women that are waiting. We have men as well waiting for a mentor. They can't get the workbook curriculum unless they have a mentor because they walk alongside their mentee in prison. Yeah. It's yeah. all done through email and video visit. Wow. You don't even have to go into the prison. It takes about an hour a week. We really encourage the mentors to go through the workbook. Every mentor who's gone through it, through the series, it says this is the most empowering, anointed curriculum they've ever gone through. 
and they say they are getting more. They feel they're getting more out of it <laughs> than the mentee. Well, and I love that it's therapeutic, but it's also biblical. And that's it is you know, when you're doing trauma recovery for people. It's just there's hardly anybody who's doing this with yep. a spiritual edge to it. And I, I mean, I haven't heard of this in prisons. Like I haven't. We we have it's some not- down in South America. I haven't heard of this until you. And it's phenomenal. So talk about the program. I see me free as your yeah. program. So it is, it is therapeutic interventions, meaning that it has all the trauma recovery empowerment model has cognitive behavior, critical thinking, stages of change, criminal thinking, everything that's needed to change the psycho, but wow. it's infused with the word of God. Wow. The word of God is who healed me and is who heals and rewires your brain yeah. without that, without the word, we, there is nothing. The word is life and life abundant. So anyway, so we, we, we're all over the United States. This is cross pollination. We're in different prisons in different states. We also have different mentors in different states. We're in 40 prisons in Uganda and Kenya. We're in uh, the UK. Canada's opening up. Jamaica's opening up. Um, It's just, it's gone viral. God is blessing it, expanding our territory, but we really do need mentors. It's vital that we on the outside have mentors and life coaches. How much more do they need it? Absolutely. And that's what I love. I love that you're, we're kind of lightly recruiting people to this podcast too. How do people become a mentor? How do people get your materials or curriculums? Or people? Well, you can contact me personally. I tell you, you can, uh, you can have my cell number. You can email me, Pamela at lifechangerslegacy.org. Actually, Terry Bell is my mentor director, terry.b at Life Changers Legacy. She can send you the forms or you can go to the website. You can sign up on the website. All the forms are on the website, but we'd like to send you the package itself, really. And, to, you know, really be personal in the relationship and not just, you know, have a relational uh, aspect here, but a, a personal communication. So anyway, and also. Um, we have so many things on the website. If you just go to the website, you can find so much. You can call me as well. But we have a resource center that we're, excuse me, we just did our grand opening on Saturday. And uh, we have uh, all sorts of educational, inner healing, deliverance. Uh, A lot of this stuff comes from my workbooks as well. We have uh, finance, parenting, everything and anything. But you know, it's it's about engaging people and getting their health and wellness is first. Because without that, you can't even affect the emotional side and get your brain working. Yeah, yeah. So you have to address and get balanced. So that's what we want to do with people. Well, I know that through your ministry and through your your organization here, you're affecting so much change and giving people so much hope, Pamela. So thank you so much for sharing. I'm so glad that you went to your grandma's church when you were five. I am. I've had that encounter. Thank God for yes. all of us now. And please visit Pamela at www.lifechangerslegacy.org and get yes. more information. And if do we have time help, for the poem real quick? It's real quick. Oh, yes. Let's and we're gonna end right. this with a poem. Go ahead. Yes, it is profound. Listen to every word. The confrontation within. There is an intention for something far greater something that runs counter to my conscience it's struggling to make itself known i must confront the fears to try to keep me on the seat of anxiety so that my true self may come to its fullness 
in reality. My ego keeps me running from myself, and I don't want to admit it. I am a battle within. Or am I within the battle? This force, this force, where does it come from? Where must it go? I must confront the demons within to unfold the greatness of true self without sin. Is this who God has created? The confrontation within has to be met with boldness, with authority, with faith and truth. Who holds that truth? Do you know? One thing is for sure, only in him can I truly grow. Lord, teach me to battle. Teach me to win. Teach me to conquer the confrontation within. That's the poem he downloaded to me while in prison. That is so awesome, Baylon. Thank you for yeah. sharing with our listeners today. Do you want to be mentored in hearing God's voice? It's not hard, but it takes time, examples, practice, and conversations to really get in the place of being able to get revelation and also to know how to interpret and reply what God's showing you. I have started an online community through our platform, Transiting God Mentoring, where you receive weekly videos, weekly live group mentoring, monthly special events, and all of our past e-courses on the gifts, marriage, and relevant topics to your spiritual journey. Come join me and all my platform contributors to learn how to walk out a thriving journey of hearing God. Thanks for listening to Exploring the Prophetic, part of the Exploring Series podcast. These podcasts are made possible by generous donations of listeners just like you. Become a partner or visit us at bullsministries.com with your one-time donation today. Also, if you are enjoying the podcast, please become a part of our family by subscribing. Connect to us at www.bullsministries.com where we want to resource you with our articles, books, weekly mentoring, e-courses, and more or download our Bulls app free at our web store. We love to hear your feedback. Drop us a line and also your rating, reviewing and sharing makes such a difference in the world for people learning about us. Thanks for listening.